chains, though. You better phone. Pick it up. Call me. Kaufman, it is no holds barred. Today's program, we are bringing the heat, we are bringing the fire. On the program today, we've got AFL football. The Western Bulldogs are in free fall. We've got rugby league, the Sydney Roosters win last night in a thriller. We've got the NBA Summer League from Las Vegas. Things are hotting up. And we've got Wimbledon Day 5 live action from the No Holds Barred studio. This is No Holds Barred. We don't barely keep in touch at all. No holds barred, and I'll tell you what, today we've got a packed show. Looking at the agenda here, we've got AFL football. We're going to start with that Friday night football last night. It was a blowout. We're going to talk about that briefly. We've got the Sydney Roosters in South Sydney in the NRL last night. That was a cracking contest. That was a little bit more interesting than the, than the AFL. We've got the NBA Summer League from Las Vegas. Lonzo Ball is about to debut for the Los Angeles Lakers. There's plenty of hype around that. And then we've got Wimbledon Day 5. Did you see Rafael Nadal last night against the Russian Kachanov? Good God. This guy's looking like a machine right now. He's going to take some serious, serious stopping here at Wimbledon. I don't know who's going to beat him, to be honest, from what I saw last night. He's playing better than ever. He doesn't look like you can. He doesn't look like you're going to be able to to get through him. But we'll talk more about that later on in the program. But last night, Western Bulldogs versus Adelaide Crows over there in Adelaide in uh, horrific conditions. Really, plenty of rain, plenty of water about over there in Adelaide, and the Crows were dominant after half time. They get the victory 16-8-104 to the Western Bulldogs, 5-15-45. And the premiership winners from last year, the Dogs, they are in free fall. And they were largely uncompetitive last night in the second half. They were smashed around the ball, uh, around the clearances. And... To say that they are flat as can be right now and are searching for some answers and have some real soul-searching to do would be an understatement. Luke Beveridge in his press conference looked like a defeated man. He's been trying to find the tonic for the last five or six weeks for this Western Bulldogs team. 
And it doesn't matter what he seems to tweak or what he seems to do uh, to try and motivate these dogs or get them up. They cannot seem to find any kind of form that throws them into the premiership picture this year. Now, the Crows have been awesome. They started incredibly well at the start of the season. Then they, then they faded out a little bit for about a three or four week period. They lost their touch. They came back to the pack. Uh, they looked flat, but now they've found their mojo again. And the high-scoring high Crows sit on top of the ladder after last night's contest. And as I said earlier on, they absolutely dominated through the middle of the ground, uh, especially in the second half. And Rory Sloan and his on-ball brigade basically had their way. Once, uh, once inside 50, Josh Jenkins, Tex Walker and Eddie Betts basically had their way. Big, big Jenkins ended up with four majors. Texie Walker with three and uh, the Mercurial Eddie Betts uh, ended up with two as well and, and, and a handful that he, that he gave away. And, you know, where to now for the dogs? Uh, you know, they're sitting in around about that 10th, 11th position on the ladder. Uh, it isn't even competition. It really is. But, you know, they're running out of time and their run home, you know, it is somewhat kind. And last year you would have looked at the you would have looked at the run home and said, well, that's definitely five wins from five there from the Dogs, but they're playing so inconsistent right now and, and are searching for some, some, real, uh, some real energy and some real, uh, some real positivity that there's no guarantee that they're going to win any of those matches that they play, the, their remaining matches. And the Adelaide Crows couldn't be further from, uh, from the Dogs at this stage. They separated themselves in a big way last night and they continue to be one of the premiership favourites. I guess they're back on track. They're on top of the ladder. GWS are right behind them. Um, and Adelaide look like they have solidified their chances to, uh, to finish in the top four in this tight competition. And they're definitely one of the favourites uh, to win the premiership if they can uh, continue to find that form at the back end of the year when it really matters. As for the dogs, back to the drawing board. Beverage needs to find some answers. This is no holds barred. We get it poppin' in the hood, G unit. Motherfucker was good and wait for niggas to act like they don't know how to act. Yeah, that game last night. Very, very ordinary. Found myself switching over to the rugby league and the AFL. Watch more of the rugby league to be honest. Much better game. We're going to talk about that now. The rugby league last night. Sydney Roosters and South Sydney, traditional rivals. And it was a cracking contest in tough conditions. And the Roosters got over the line 14 points to 12. And they sit in second position on the the NRL ladder while Souths are languished in 11th. And... uh, Another even competition, the NRL. What I love about the NRL is you can absolutely stink one year. I mean, you could be down there near the bottom bottom two or three sides in the competition. The next year, you can be back up playing finals or in the top four. Um, it's very similar competition or the way the, the balance of power is to the, to the NFL football in the States. You can be absolutely diabolical in the states in the NR- in the NFL only winning a couple of games you know going 
going two and uh, two and fourteen or somewhere along those lines, and then next year you can be playing in the Super Bowl. Very similar to the NRL. So, you know, Sydney Roosters is a great example. They were one of the one of the worst teams last year. Now they're in second behind the Melbourne Storm, and last night was a very important win for them. And they, they hit back from last week. Uh, they were destroyed last week, and they hit back without their State of Origin stars uh, last night. So a really, really good win, a, a gutsy win. Um, and we've got State of Origin Game 3 starting next week. New South Wales versus Queensland. That, uh, that should be a beauty to decide, uh, decide the, the champion for 2017. But last night's game, the Roosters in South Sydney... It was, uh, as I said, traditional rivals there uh, in a, in a hard-fought contest. Plenty of big hits, plenty of, uh, plenty of action. Uh, the Roosters uh, got over the line. And South Sydney, since, since South Sydney won the, won the flag there a few years ago, they just uh, they haven't been able to maintain that, that level or that consistency. They've actually been very poor since then. Uh, they've lost a, lost a plethora of stars from that premiership team, but they've also had a couple of... Stars come back. Big Burgess came back from uh, from his rugby union stint over in the in over in the UK, um, but they haven't been able to find find the magic, I guess that uh, that they had when they they won the flag there a few years ago, breaking that premiership drought, and they're struggling right now to to play finals, and uh, only time will tell whether they can uh, whether they can play finals this year. But uh, the Roosters. They look good. Um, I would have expected them to start to fade uh, around at this, this time of the year, um, but they are, they are holding on, and uh, they are locked in second position behind the Melbourne Storm. So um, the Sydney Roosters have bounced back very, very well last night. A very, very enjoyable game to watch. As I said, the I mean the Adelaide Crows Western Bulldogs game after half time was just it was a training run. So. To be able to flick over and watch a bit of the bit of the league, where you just you just guaranteed just guaranteed bigger hits, a little bit more action. The AFL, it's like, geez, kick it sideways. Even last night, in that in that game last night where it was wet, you know, normally contested footy. It's like you're sometimes hoping for a wet game so you can actually see some see some hits, but. The NRL never disappoints when it comes to that. A lot more physical than the than the AFL product these days, and um, that's one of the one of the bad things about the AFL game at the highest level now. It's not the physical uh, physical contest that it once used to be. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the NBA Summer League in Las Vegas. Lonzo Ball is set to debut. For the Lakers, and there's plenty of hype around that. We're going to talk about that next here on No Holds Barred. So all the gold we give, we all don't fade. So mind your biz and walk your ways, because I'm never going to let you up inside my maze. I don't. Yeah. Oh. Wash that out, baby. Make it hot, baby. We're back here on No Holds Barred. We're about to segue into some NBA Summer League. 
from Las Vegas. And the Summer League one is an interesting one over there in the States. Obviously, it's a pre-season competition, really aimed at, uh, at teams putting out players who, uh, who they're looking at in terms of from a scouting perspective, looking to bring onto their roster. Uh, and also to give some uh, some court time and some repetitions to their to their up and coming stars and their their draft picks that they selected from the uh, from the NBA draft around about a month ago. But the summer league's always been around, but it seems to have gone from strength to strength with with plenty of hype and excitement, huge ticket sales, uh, probably over the last five years with the popularity of the Golden State Warriors, LeBron James coming back to the Cleveland Cavaliers, but previously the summer league just looked was was just a, a league where not much uh, not much hype, not much focus, just a, just a league where really fringe players could get plenty of court time, try and uh, earn themselves an NBA contract with their teams, and where rookies would get some um, some serious exposure because once the once the NBA season rolls around, a lot of the rookies unless they're uh, Unless they're, uh, you know, a, a top, uh, a top five or six pick, a lot of these rookies are, are going to be buried on the bench, not getting much court time, and and basically just getting garbage time. But there's a bit of a, bit of a change with this NBA Summer League. There's plenty of hype now, huge t- ticket sales. Uh, most games are, are shown on television. Okay, so um, a, a lot of uh, a lot of interest in the. Uh, in the summer league, and also it's in Las Vegas as well. A tactical move from the from Adam Silver in the NBA. Um, Vegas is all hype, baby. So uh, why not have the NBA summer league there? So the hype train's in full effect, and Lonzo Ball and the Los Angeles Lakers made their, their debut today in the summer league, and of course, plenty of hype around the number two draft pick from the Lakers. He's the new face of the franchise, and. <clears throat> He came out today and didn't have one of his best performances. He shot 2 of 15 shooting from the floor, 1 of 11 on three-pointers. He had five points and five assists um, in the late in a three-point loss to the Lakers. Now, his running mate, who was number two draft pick from last year, Brandon Ingram, the six foot nine shooting guard out of Duke with the, the seven-foot wingspan, he had 26 points, uh, and he, uh, he looked good. He looked stronger. He looked a lot smoother with his outside shot. He had a bit of a kink in his his jump shot coming out of college. Uh, he looks like he's put a lot of work in the off season, and uh, his jump jump shot was looking smooth. Uh, and uh, he attacked the rim. Uh, it looked like he had a, a pretty good combination uh, early on with uh, with Lon's ball. Um, did you see the? If you had seen any of the highlights, if you saw the. Uh, Lonzo Ball's first pass, uh, basically in his his pro career, or definitely, you know, his summer league uh, in his summer league debut, was an alley oop pass through about a, a 25, 30 foot alley oop pass from a stationary position on an absolute dime to Ingram for the alley oop jam. Uh, if that's an indication of uh, the kind of service he's going to be delivering to the to the players uh, on the Lakers roster next year, then they're in for a treat. Um, but a lot of scrutiny on the Lonzo Ball debut. Uh, he just couldn't hit an outside shot. That's okay. That'll come with time, with with more practice. Um, but 
Brendan Ingram was the was the guy who stole the show, and uh, he had a he had a shot to win the game there towards the end. He got into the uh, got into about 15 feet contested jump shot, and uh, didn't make the shot off the rim. He went down and looked like he uh, he had an injury, uh, so it was concerning for uh, for the Lakers organization with one of their uh, one of their future stars that they're invested in uh, going down. But it turned out it was only cramp. Uh, and he wanted to continue, uh, but uh, Magic John Johnson uh, was there on the bench, and if you saw the footage, Magic stood up and said, no, we're shutting it down. We are shutting it down. That is it. Brandon Ingram is done for the night. He's not going back in. As much as the, the young star wanted to go back in or stay in the game uh, and finish it out in the overtime, the magic man was having none of it. And he said, nah, that's it. Uh, wrap him up in cotton wool. He's done for the night. Uh, and the Clippers went on and uh, got the victory by three points. So plenty of hype around uh, hype around the Lakers. It was great. The, the stands were packed uh, to see the, the ball debut. Um, but uh, I said, wasn't one of his best performances. But he's only going to get better from here. And the more he gets comfortable... Uh, with the NBA system, with Luke Walton's system, uh, that the Lakers are uh, are looking to um, looking to bring into their uh, into their game. Uh, I think it's an exciting time, uh, not only for Lon's ball, Brandon Ingram, uh, but for the Lakers organization. And you know, to have Magic Johnson and, and Rob Polinka there, and Luke Walton as head coach, uh, these young guys have got uh, an amazing uh, support system there. And uh, I think um, the season, not only the summer league season, which is creating plenty of uh, plenty of curiosity, plenty of hype. I think the Lakers uh, are going to be an exciting team to watch once the once the NBA season rolls around, once the real action starts. And not only that, though, but they're going to have plenty of uh, plenty of salary cap room for the free agency period the following season, where. Marquee free agents such as uh, the Lakers, Paul George, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, just to name a few, um, they will be big targets for this Lakers organisation, and uh, things are cer- certainly looking up in that area. But Lon's ball, we're going to keep you uh, keep you in the loop here on on uh, on the summer league uh, results, and especially with uh, with Lonzo Ball because there is plenty plenty of excitement and. Uh, and, and hype around uh, everything that he does. He's uh, he is basically a lightning rod uh, for uh, for attention, and uh, we're going to bring it to you here on No Holds Barred. But coming up next, we're going to go from the NBA Summer League to Wimbledon. Day five results, and I want to talk to you about what I saw last night with the Spanish superstar Rafael Nadal. Scary, scary stuff. You're listening to No Holds Barred. You can do it, put your back into it. I can do it, put your ass into it. You can do it, put your back into it. I can do it, put your ass into it. Next, we have a very, very big group by the name of. I like this. Control, like, 
Right, we're back here, no holds barred. We're into the Wimbledon section of the program today. Day five from the All England Club. And what I saw there last night taking place was absolutely scary, scary stuff coming from Rafael Nadal, but we're going to get into that in a minute. Just want to run through the results from last night. Now the top seed, Andy Murray, was in uh, was was on court last night. He was playing the the flashy Italian, the unpredictable Italian, Fabio Fognini. He's uh, always entertaining. You never know what you're going to get with Fabio. Murray got through that one, 6-2-4-6-6-1-7-5. So Murray just chipping away, just chipping away, trying to find some form, trying to get the body right. But uh, he had too much of Fognini there when it really mattered most, that third set. He, uh, he ran away with that 6-1 and then closing it out 7-5. Fognini in the past has really showed, uh, showed that sometimes he struggles to go the distance if he's not having things his own way. Uh, sometimes he just packs it in and and uh, doesn't really uh, show uh, that he likes to fight at times, okay, when things are not going his way. And grass has never been his surface. He's a clay quarter. He's a dirt baller through and through. And uh, Murray moves through there. We had uh, also the US Open champion Marin Cilic uh, took on American... Stevie Johnson, and it was a 6-4-7-6-6-4 victory for Big Marin. Stevie Johnson, um, really, really good tournament from him. He's in the top 30 in the world now. He's one of the best college tennis players uh, that's ever played the game. He had a stellar career at the University of Southern California. Uh, but Chilich, too much firepower, and he moves through in straight sets. The lefty, uh, Jules Muller. Played the uh, the British Hope uh, Badeni, and that was a 7-6-7-5-6-4 victory for Muller. The lefty serve on the grass. He's got one of the best deliveries, one of the best uh, rhythmic serves in the game, Muller. And he's in career best form now. Seated 16 here. He won uh, he won a title. Uh, he won a title in Australia earlier on the year, and I believe he won a leading event on the grass as well. So Jules Muller gets a shot next at Rafael Nadal in round four. I'm going to talk about that one here soon. Uh, great to see Muller doing well. He had too much, too much for Badeni there in that one. Kevin Anderson of South Africa. He's had a bit of a resurgence here in the last uh, month, month or two. He was, uh, he's a former top 15 player, I believe. Uh, but uh, the last, uh, the last 12 to 18 months have been tough for Kevin. Injuries are starting to, to wear him down. Uh, but he finds himself in the, the fourth round now with a 7-6-6-4-7-6 victory over Ruben Bemmelmans of Belgium. And uh, Anderson, massive serve, big game. He's had some uh, great victories against top 10 players. He's dangerous, finding some form. Great to see for Kevin. And he moves into the fourth round. He had a good win. Round one, I believe it was, over Fernando Vadasco. So things have opened up a little bit for Kevin, and he's into the fourth round. Uh, so he's got to be excited about that. Upset on the men's side, the Japanese superstar, Kei Nishikori, went down to the Spanish the Spanish star, Batista Agut, 6-4-7-6-3-6-6-3. And Nishikori looked uncomfortable from round one on the grass courts here at the All England Club. And Batista Agut, who plays a similar game, Similar baseline, wear you down kind of game. Uh, 
both guys uh, like to like to play from the back of the court, use their speed, use their uh, use their penetrating ground strokes to win points. But Batista Agut just showed too much mental toughness, and Nishikori back to the drawing board again. He needs to find another gear leading into uh, the American Hardcore Swing U.S. Open, and then towards the latter part of the year because his ranking has moved down, and. Uh, He's trying. He's starting to find it hard. If he's going to crack through and uh, win a major event, he needs to shake some things up a little bit. So uh, Batista got through in round four. This is no holds barred. We'll be back here in a minute. No holds barred. So Wimbledon. Day five, we were just talking about that uh, Andy Murray-Fognini clash there earlier on. Murray going through in four sets. He's going to play the Frenchman uh, Benoit Paire, who beat uh, Jersey Janowicz of Poland, 6-2, 7-6, That would have been a good match to watch. Both of those guys are notorious for being flat-out crazy. There's no other way to describe it. Uh, both guys, absolutely loose cannons out there. Uh, Janowitz, really one of the guys who, uh, huge talent, huge power game, but just mentally mentally uh, loose. And uh, the same can be say, uh, said for uh, Benny Pair out of France. Um, never know what this guy's going to serve up, but he's put some form together. And the grass really suits his game. He's got a big serve, nice two-hand backhand, good mover, but just uh, yeah, that mental side of things, uh, the mindset, you never know what you're going to get. But he's put, been able to string it together and focus for the first week of the championships. And he gets a shot at Andy Murray in the fourth round. So that'll be an interesting one. If you get a chance to plug into that, check it out. Because you never know what you're going to get with uh, Benoit Pair. He's, uh, he's entertaining because he's uh, unpredictable. In saying that... I want to get on to Rafael Nadal, the Spanish superstar who has come into Wimbledon on the back of a 10th French Open win, a 10th French Open championship. Ridiculous numbers. 10 to win 10 majors, uh, let alone the same major. Absolutely never been done before. But he was in incredible form last night against the young Russian Kachanov, the 21-year-old Russian who has burst into the top 30 and won a title earlier on this year. And to say Nadal was nothing short of explosive, nothing short of dynamic, nothing short of incredible, nothing short of supernatural last night, would be selling him short. He dominated the first set 6-1. And then took out set two, six, four, and then the third set, seven, six. Now, as the match went on, it was clear Kachanov was reading between the lines and made the decision that, you know what? I can't just stay back here and stay in my comfort zone. I need to, I need the red line. I need to go all out. And that's exactly what the young Russian did. He served huge. And he just started clobbering forehands, the biggest forehands that he probably ever has in his entire career. And it was great to watch from a fan and a coaching perspective. Because against any other player right now, Kachanov probably would have found himself in front of the scoreboard. 
but he was playing his absolute best level. And I'm talking to top, I'm talking to probably a top 15 level here. You know, Kachanov, he's inside, just inside the top 30, but he was playing above his world ranking right now. He was hitting a world-class first serve, a world-class forehand, pushing Rafa around the court, redlining everything, minimising errors, and he still found himself behind on the scoreboard. That is where Rafael Nadal is at this point in time during the first week of these championships. For Kachanov to lose the second set 6-4, playing his best ever level, was totally disheartening for the young Russian. But it was clear that he was just enjoying being out there on centre court, really la taking it in, really la lapping, lapping up the experience. He's going he's gonna to spend more time on centre court from what I saw in the future. The 21-year-old has a bright future. He's possibly a, f uh, a future top 10 player because he's got the weapons to reach that level. And he seems to have a pretty good mindset too, a, a pretty good mental, mental approach. He didn't get emotional. He kept his emotions in check and he was locked in and dialed in. But there was absolutely no way that he was able to run down the dial. Third set, 7-6, same kind of thing. Kachanov, his level went up, still fed himself behind, no matter how well he played. Nadal goes through 6-1, 6-4, 7-6. It was nothing short of a phenomenal performance. It was truly a phenomenal showing from Nadal. And what makes it so special and his form so special right now is not the way he's going about it and, and the, the way that he's winning these matches, but it's just his movement. It looks like it's never been better. He looks stronger than ever. And it's not only the movement, but it's when he's getting to the ball, what he's doing with it as well. Just the racket head acceleration, the explosiveness. He's hitting his backhand better than he ever has before. And... It's hard to believe that he just, he looks physically stronger from when he was in Australia in January during that that event. He looks bigger through the leg the leg area, the torso region, the upper body, and he looks as confident and as dynamic. And you know the intensity is there, everything is there, and he moves into the fourth round with a, just a truly truly explosive performance against the young Russian Kachanov and as I said earlier on he's up against uh, Jules Muller who you know it's hard to say whether Muller can uh, you know give Nadal some problems or some nervous moments Muller's in some good form as well in some career best form he's got that lefty serve a huge serve you think if someone's going to upset Nadal before uh, the business end of the tournament, it's going to have to be somebody who serves the absolute lights out because once the point starts Rafa's winning probably 55-60% of points from the back of the court once you're in that once you're in that rally, once you're in his comfort zone you're absolutely lambs to the slaughter and Kachanov was playing dynamic baseline tennis last night and he was losing two out of every three points he was losing two out of every three points against the Spanish superstar last night. And it was a great match to watch. Huge, huge hitting. And uh, Nadal has got to be 
from what I've seen so far in the first week of the championships, he's the favourite. He's got to be the favourite to win this championship. He's in the best form. Uh, of course, the second week, things go up another level. But the eye test says that Rafael Nadal is playing the best tennis and is at the highest level of any of the contenders at this stage. Right now, we've got Roger Federer live on centre court against uh, Misha Zverev. Federer up two sets to love. He hasn't had it, had it all his own way. Won the first set in a tie break. Just got the second set 6-4 against the, uh, against the German. And uh, it's been a pretty scrappy match from Federer at this stage. Zverev is the, is the servant volleyer who comes in. Uh, got a bit of a funky style. Um, but Federer looks like uh, he's going to get through that one now. As I said, two sets up. We're going to talk about more about that match on tomorrow's show. Um, so there's a live update from the No Holds Barred studio. So, a huge show, absolutely huge show uh, at No Holds Barred today. Matches galore at Wimbledon, day five. But as I said earlier on, the thing that stood out was Rafael Nadal. Just uh, a, an incredible, incredible showing. And he just is going from strength to strength. Plays Muller next round. We've got some more uh, incredible matchups at Wimbledon. Things are starting to hot up. We're going to have more NBA Summer League. And on tomorrow's program, we're going to be talking AFL football as well. Some crazy results have taken place over the last 24 hours. We're going to bring it all to you at No Holds Barred. We'll see you then. you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.